0: Hey, and happy Friday to you, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Faith in Your Recovery. We hope that you're hanging in there in the fight. Even if you're fed up with the struggle and ready to throw in the towel, don't do it. You've not come this far. It only come this far, and we believe you can take that next right step, and we never know. Recovery for you may be just around the corner or even in this episode. Hold on, listen up. Let's hear what we can share with you today that will make the difference that you're hoping to have made. Our guest today is a longtime friend. I want to go ahead and explain to you folks a little something about it. Uh, Dustin that I'll introduce to you in just a moment, I'm very familiar with him. He's the He's a classmate of our youngest son, known him since his elementary days. We've been through a lot of wrestling together, a lot of uh, (laughs) peewee football kind of things and whatnot. We've had some good times and those small-town connections that you always make. Our guest today, as I've already said, is longtime friend Dustin Lauk. Welcome, Dustin. Thanks, Randy. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to you for uh, taking the time out of your day. One more disclaimer before we go on. Dustin's inviting me to ask the hard questions today, to challenge him. Is that right? Yes, sir. All right. We're going to see what we can do to make that happen. Let's begin, Dustin, by telling the folks who you are, what you are about today. We know you're deep into your recovery, and it's continuing to grow and climb in those days along with it. Tell us where you're at, what your career's about, your family life, then we'll go back and we'll talk about the nitty gritty.
1: Um, I guess that's that's really that's really easy to sum up. I think um, you know w- when I showed up two years ago in Indianapolis at Harbor Lights, um, I was a burden to anyone and everyone um, that I was in contact with, and now today in my life I. I bring something to everybody's life that I touch. Um, My recoveries gave me purpose. I'm a better employee. I'm a better boyfriend. I'm a better father. I'm a better role model to two other kids that are in my life now. And um, all throughout the recovery circle I'm in, I, I think I would be, I'm a sponsor. I've got, Six or seven guys that I helped through the steps of uh, the twelve step process. I I do um, tell the folks about Harbor Lights. You don't have to
0: describe it full fledged, but what was that experience like? First off, that's rehab center. You were there how long? Um,
1: I stayed. I stayed fourteen months. Um, you know, I I did the typical um, my life's pointless right now I don't have anywhere to stay I need to I need to do something to change and I so I I went into detox um and as I was in detox I was already planning my escape you know like like the first few days I slept and then after that it was just um I'm ready for these five days to be over so I can go home or go back to the street, basically, because I really at that point in that my life—that was your home. At that yeah, time. At, that, at that point in my life, nobody, nobody who I knew, wanted me in their house, um, because I was either breaking their stuff or or overdosing or getting the cops called. Or so, um,
0: you described yourself to me the other day as what was once a liability to everyone and oh, everything, yeah. and now an.
1: <laughs> And yeah, yeah, def- definitely. I mean, I mean, there there was nobody's life I touched at the end of my addiction that that was better for knowing me at that point, you know. Um
0: you didn't touch any lives in a positive way.
1: <sighs> I mean, I I'm, I'm I'm sure some people would 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 find some bit of light in me at that point in my life but as far as me i i seen no light you know i was a drain on society on on my loved ones on my kids i, I remember uh the christmas before i went to harbor lights um we went to my mom's and i went in there and and my little girl my youngest daughter she looked scared of me how old does uh, she's 14 now how old was
0: she then oh. Ten, 11, twelve, kay. twelve, eleven,
1: kay. and and it was the first time in my life where 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 m- my kids actually looked scared, you know, um, not safe around me or or unsure of of scared what would be, what could happen. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, and probably scared of of what I looked like at that point. Um, I know a lot of people have seen them. You've, the before
0: you've, picture and, and folks, I can assure you, it was Halloween worthy. Okay, <laughs> I love Dustin; he knows that we're good friends. But uh, it was not the person you wanted to meet in a dark alley or even in a lighted aisle at Walmart. Uh, It—he's come a long
1: way. Go ahead. Uh, you know, and, and I showed up at, at Harbor Lights in uh, a pair of a pair of uh, track pants one shoe, and a ripped Incredible Hawk t-shirt. I opened my suitcase because I packed before I left, and I had half of a dress suit in there because <laughs> I packed my bags when I was high. Yeah, it wasn't going to be a good fit at that and, moment, and was it? No underwear or nothing, you know, and, and that's that's how I arrived to this new way of life, right? You know, um, Harbor Lights was great. Well, let's let's tell the people
0: some of those some of those moments that led you to harbor lights, tell them about your addiction, what were your drugs of choice? How did that get started? Go back early, tell them about the destined of the early
1: years in school. Well, what kind of guy you were you know probably probably in on um in an outside appearance, I probably looked like a normal kid, but um inside i was just i I was lost you know um as i went through high school i carried i carried burdens from my childhood that that i never really knew were burdens at the time um tell us what some of those were well like like i can remember when i was in like second grade um and, and this stuff came out after some work, sure, some twelve step work, right? Sure. Like I didn't understand this stuff when I got here, but it didn't happen number nine. You know, one of my earliest memories of 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 a resentment or a feeling apart was I think it was about the second grade in Mrs. Hoffman's class. Um, there was talk of me going to my own reading class because I was I was pretty smart, you know. Um, I know you were, in and the gifted and, and talented back then, and. But I was the kid that sat inside at recess and, and read books or folded, or did origami, folded paper. Um, you know, I wasn't big enough to play basketball like most of the kids. I was, I was small, and I, I really, really would have rather read. Um, so some kids would make fun of me. And they weren't being, they weren't being malicious. It wasn't bullying. Nobody was being mean. But I took it to heart right like I carried that with me my whole life so my whole life I felt apart from everybody so when I got in high school and you know I was a four-year varsity wrestler so I should have been a jock but I didn't fit in with the jocks necessarily um I was still smart so I could have fit in with the smart kids but I didn't really fit in with them either the hoods were who I talked to but I didn't I didn't smoke and and drink um so here I am all all alone again, right, until I, I got out of high school and I, um... Hunting for identity there with some group and... Yeah, and, and I just, I, I can remember school just being really hard. Not the not the curriculum, just people. Um, I got out of high school and I, I started doing cocaine. I jumped right to right to cocaine and, and that was it, right? Like, I, if I had a bag of cocaine, um... Everybody wanted to come to my house. That. Everybody wanted to ride my car. Everybody wanted to hang out with me. Right, so here I am. I finally have a group of people. Um, and at that point, I would say I probably wasn't addicted, um, because I probably could have quit at that point. Um, and it just it just progressed. Um, I went. I I got a felony conviction on cocaine. Um, did a year in jail. Two or three years on house arrest. Stayed sober for a couple of years and then, then I dove into meth, and it didn't really take. Um, but when I when I started doing pain pills, um, that progressed really quickly, you know, because I couldn't I couldn't get up and go to work unless I had some right, because I would be sick from from opiate withdrawal. Um, so it progressed from pain pills quickly to shooting morphine, shooting. Um, Ivy, ivy opiates, um, and then, you know, towards the end it was it was heroin, pretty much every every day.
0: So you went through most all of the all the drugs. Yeah, that were yeah, available, I I, huh? I, uh,
1: I went through them all, and and don't get me wrong, on those days, if at the end when I was shooting heroin, if I didn't have heroin, I would definitely do meth or whatever anybody had. Um, towards the end, you know what I've what I've came to find about myself was I, I was never really trying to get high. I was trying to, it's, it's not about the drugs, it's about how I feel. You know, it's, it's not about, the drugs are a symptom of me not being able to stand how I feel. You know, I went through, I went through all my adolescent life uncomfortable, you know, um, apart from and when I, when I got into drugs, I escaped that. I changed how I felt, right? Um, until that didn't work anymore, right? At the end, that didn't work anymore because all I could feel was the guilt of, of everything, that, of, of my kids, of my wife, of the people that I've hurt along the way, of, of all these things that have happened in my addiction that, that, that made it seem like I was this horrible person. And at that point, I believed I was, I was, I was a horrible person is what I believed. Um, Through, through the recovery that I work, I've realized that I wasn't a horrible person. I'm a drug addict. That makes us do horrible things and make horrible decisions. Um, But that doesn't define us, you know, Um, and, and when i got into that when i <clears throat> when i got into the, the cause of my addiction the the diagnosis it was it was it was mind blowing here here i was i thought that i was just i was going to have to live with all this for the rest of my life i i'm, I'm just i'm stuck here right like i've done these horrible things um, i'm a piece of crap right no i'm an addict and, and until that point, I would have told you, that's baloney. Addiction's not a disease. All you gotta do is say no. But when I learn about the physical allergy and the mental obsession, you know, the spiritual malady, and I learn, I learn about that stuff, and I and I understand what that obsession is. That obsession tells me that um, when when things are good, it'll pop into my mind. It's a good idea to get high. When things are bad, it's a it's good idea to get high. Y- you know and once that sets hold in my brain i it's it's failure you know I, i'm doomed to to use again unless i i take a spiritual solution to cure the spiritual malady once the spiritual malady, malady's secluded, the spiritual malady is cleared up i get progressively better mentally and physically
0: so give us an example of that spiritual
1: solution for you
0: adjulate you
1: okay so so if 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 i if i can't handle life the way it is, right, if, if, if I get in traffic and these guys make me mad by going too slow because I think they should be going faster, if I go to the store and the line's out the, out the door and I'm late for work because of it, if I, and all these things just get on my nerves all day long, my coworkers get on my nerves all day long, my girlfriend gets on my nerves, my, you know, all these things get on my nerves and I end up restless, irritable and discontent, right? I don't like my life. I gotta do something to get rid of how I feel. Well, the spiritual solution says I start practicing not worrying about Randy, not worrying about the guy in traffic, not worrying about the guy at the fast food who screwed up my order. I I worry about Dustin, right? I start I start changing how I react. So you
0: take your mind off the problem and put it on yourself. Is that accurate?
1: In a sense, they were never the problem in the first place. The problem was how I feel, right? Okay. Okay. I can either I can either make a vain attempt and try to change people in traffic, change people at the fast food, people like at the gas station. Happen. I could try to change all these things, or maybe I can change how I see all these things. Gotcha. Maybe, maybe I can. I can change how I view the world, right? A new set of ideals and, and thoughts about the world, um, and. and that's when the idea of a higher power comes in, right? God's will, not mine. My will says they should get out of my way because I'm Dustin Lauk and I need to get to Anderson to do this podcast. God's will says you're right where you're supposed to be. You're right where you're supposed to be. Calm down. Everything's fine. Take care of the. Moment. That's why, you know, and it, it, it happened on the way here. I was, I was like, God, these, all these people are in my way. And then I said, "No, they're not. We lay back. That's why we left a half hour early to get there. And, and you arrived early. And, and yeah, and that's that's how my life is now. I I don't set goals, but but I but I plan for success, right? If if I don't get it, that's okay. If 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 this thing that I plan for to happen doesn't happen." It's okay because you know what, I, I know I, I know I did my best. And and one of the biggest things I've realized is I'm enough. I, I'm enough. If if I'm not, if I'm not enough for my boss, I'm enough for me. If it's the best version of you. If it's the best version of me, I've I've did what I've done today. If if I've worked and practiced moving my will closer to God's will consistently every day sooner or later I practice myself into the habit of doing God's will yes whether whether I whether I have faith or not I'm still this close and with a little bit of with a little bit of searching and I make that connection with a higher power then then I'm holding hands you know me and God are holding hands and, and um, it, it's not perfect you know sometimes nope. sometimes I type that text message just as quick as I can, and I think I shouldn't send this, and I push send, and then for the next twenty minutes, I'm arguing with somebody when I could have paused ask what god God would have me do in this situation let me let me throw something in here
0: that's wonderful advice, and not just for recovery, certainly recovery no, that's life that's wonderful. <laughs> Advice for life. I get in traffic. I don't like it. They mess up my sandwich. I'm not a happy camper. Okay, uh, just gotta settle down. Eat Wait. what you've
1: got. Do you I'm think? Yeah, but do you, you have it. Do you think those people are doing that against you, or you think they're doing their best? You know, I want to believe they're doing the right. best. Well, that's that's okay. how I that's how we get so disgruntled. With everybody was kicking me, everybody was doing me wrong. Everybody was doing this. Everybody was doing that. Regardless of what I was doing to everybody else, now I look at it and most people aren't doing anything to me. They're doing things for themselves. Yeah, yeah. They, they're doing things for themselves, and that's that's selfish human nature. You know, like, so that that brings
0: up thought as you as you make that comment. Let's go back into life. Who were some of those people? What were some of those moments that you were the one creating the issue? I don't mean just getting into the drug, but results of using the drugs, results of going to jail, relational aspects, uh, personal aspects, your darkest moments.
1: I mean, oh, there's there's so many, you know, like, just hit us with um, a few.
0: Oh,
1: I mean, getting arrested at a hotel with uh, my kids in the room, and and taken to jail, um, losing my kids, getting them back, losing them again by CPS. That that happened twice. Um, Child protection Child services protection, for yeah. anybody
0: who doesn't know. Yeah,
1: um, in and out of jail, in and out of jail, s- several times. Um, you know, I, I, I look back at that stuff, and and it could have been a lot worse. You know, like, like really, I just, I just got my knees skinned. You know, I, I really didn't. At the time, I bet you weren't thinking. No, that at the word. time, it was so unfair, and and they they set me up, and but. I mean, as you look back, as yeah. I look back, you, you 2020 know, hindsight, I mean, there, there was a time I, I, I overdosed and, um, I remember waking up in the hospital as they was pulling the breathing tube out of my throat. Right. I woke up and I saw my wife and, and my brother and my dad, and my mom, they were all around me, which was weird because my mom and dad were divorced. And I remember thinking, what's every, what's everybody doing here? You know? And then when I realized what was happening, I looked at my wife and, and I said, "Where's my money and my dope?" Listen. Straight out, straight out of a coma, straight out of, straight off life support. Those were my first words, you know. And that's not selfish,
0: it shows where your priorities
1: were yeah. at that point, yeah. Didn't you know? it? Um, and then you know there was there was a, a car wreck I was in. You know, um, um, my wife ended up. A quadriplegic for about a year after that and, and passed away after that. Um, and as she went into the hospital on the way to the hospital as they were lifelining her to Methodist. My mom was picking me up at the hospital and she's like, well, are we going to Indian? I'm like, no, I need to, I need to go to the trailer first and, and change clothes. But I wasn't going to change clothes. I was going to get another one in me before I left. Um, and as she's in the hospital fighting for her life, I'd stay for a day or two and then say I needed a shower and go home and get high. Then I'd stay home two days and then I would come back for two days, stay home three days, come back for two days, stay home a week. And before I knew it, I hadn't been back to the hospital in, in two months. Um, And that's just, that's another example of just the selfishness we, you know, the that self-serving nature of what an addiction does you know it just turns us into selfish creatures um there there was this thing there was this thing on facebook the other day that said 10 million dollars or or go back in time and fix your mistakes and initially i was like 10 million dollars my life's great right now you know um yeah, there was a lot of people that were hurt in the process, but now seeing who I am now, I don't think they mind what we went through. But then there's the one person, right, my wife, that, that, that's gone. And, and it was this dilemma in my head because I'm going, and, and I know I've accomplished something because I'm going, I, I should fix that. But it wasn't there was nothing to do with the ten million that was bugging me. It was the fact that if I fix that, the people I'm helping now, I might never meet. Okay. You know? So it's this dilemma, can I can I go back and fix one thing without changing everything I'm doing now and, and
0: it's not a matter of what was the most important because she certainly was. But the idea of others you would not have been able to touch, sure, you'd love to have her back yeah. and everything. That's not the question here, folks. And we're not being naive to that. But the the other side of that coin, the ones you have touched and made right.
1: Wait, and, and would I be sober if I did? Yeah. You know, like.
0: How long have you been sober, uh, Dustin? Uh,
1: two years, March
0: 4th. Two years, March 4th. Congratulations. Yep,
1: they say that one in 99 people make it into one in 99 true alcoholics or addicts make it into recovery. Um, Four out of 10 stay sober, anything like a year. And then the, the percentage just go down from there. I'm sure. So I'm, you're doing, doing, I'm doing good numbers. (laughs) You know, I, I I do a lot for my recovery. I, I stay busy. I, I, you know, I, I speak whenever I'm asked to, I, I, try to try to take some other guys through the step work. Um, Why
0: well, I know there was a time when you joined us at Jay County High School and spoke to the students there at A Better Life, Brianna's Hope. We take pride in getting to go to schools and speak. Well, we take three or four individuals who have been there, done that, and had the scars to prove it. And you made a comment at that time. I'm going to remind you of it. But it's, you know, I know what you meant by it, but it has stuck with me. You shared with the students there how you recall losing your voice as a young person. Uh, Do you recall that? Yeah. Go ahead and explain that to folks, what you mean, because you're not the only one. And this is not to do damage to anybody, but to
1: tell the story. Um. You know, when I when I was growing up, um, I would, you know, uh, uh, during that interview or during that um, speech sp- thing, we where we spoke, um, I I made the comment that my mom and dad were both alcoholics. I grew up in an alcoholic household, um, and I I would watch my mom and dad fight, and my my dad beat on my mom, and she would always ask for more. And and I learned at a very young age to shut my mouth. Um, and somewhere along the way, I, I lost my ability to speak up and 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 be heard. Um, that 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 whole thing right there. When I heard it, I listened to the the thing from the high school the other day. I listened there. to it yes. and as soon as I heard that. I thought, oh, oh that sounds so horrible. Talking about my mom and dad like that, and then I was like, you know what? That's how I seen it. That's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be sorry for how I felt growing up. That was your take as a young child, right? Um, and, go- and I and I carried that, you know, uh, that that probably added to my backwardsness, you know, and, and I lost my voice as far as being able to speak up, and and when you do that, when you don't have a voice. An empty mouth doesn't, or what is it, how do they say it? An empty, a closed mouth never eats, right? Um, you miss out on a lot of things just by being scared to ask. Um, so and, how did you gain your voice back? How did that come? I mean, I'm still, I'm, I'm still quiet. I, I know it probably doesn't seem like it in this setting, but this is, this is something I'm very passionate about, and I can't screw this up because it's my story. Um, I, I learned that, I mean, I have to. I have to open my mouth because for me to get resentful, for me to hold, hold feelings in, starts this thing in my head where my feelings matter again, right? Like, and my feelings do matter, but, but if, I, if, I let, if I let things build up inside me, um. Then, then I start shutting down again, and and I start getting irritable, restless, and discontent. You know, resentments. They say resentment's the number one offender for alcoholics and addicts. Um. There's more people that go get drunk or high over a resentment, over feeling like they were wrong, feeling like somebody's trying to take something from them, feeling like they didn't get what they deserved than anything else. You know. And, and if I look at my past, that that's that's how it was, right? I, um. You know, I, I.
0: You simply don't want to let it take you back to no, where you were. No. Now you know how to deal with it, and that's
1: by forcing that voice. And, and the thing is, you know, before I came down here this time, I, I didn't believe this was possible. And and that's that's definitely a, a something I would like, people to hear. Is there there is a solution there is a way out and i live i don't want for anything so i have everything i need i i don't i don't need more money because i've got what i need i it's yeah more money's nice sometimes but i don't need it right i don't if i don't want for any if i don't need anything i don't want anything right if i don't want anything i don't need anything it's a paradox i as long as I have what I need, I have everything I want. Gotcha. Um, and some people would call that complacency, but but no, it's it's serenity.
0: Well, and for where you were to be where you are, that does become serenity. It's serenity. It becomes it's, satisfaction.
1: It's, yeah, I mean... Not
0: complacency. because Happy, were, joyous, and free. Yeah, there was a while you didn't have a pillow for your
1: no, head. No, no. Right? I, when I first... Or a meal. When I first um, got with my girlfriend, she's like, "Where's your pillow?" I'm like, "I don't use one." She's like, "What do you mean you don't use a pillow?" I was like, "I don't, I don't know." She's like, "Well, I'm gonna buy you a pillow," and I'm like, "I don't, I don't need a pillow." <laughs> and then she bought me three, and then I had neck cramps for the next week, <laughs> you know. And, and it's just, it's some of that stuff. Well, I got used to sleeping in a car or or on a couch or on a floor or. You know, even even when I had a place to live, I never slept in the bed. It just wasn't normal anymore. Um, actually, most of the time I didn't sleep. Right? I'd fall asleep on the couch if I passed out, but I never went to bed. Um, so yeah, it's it's those those small things are, are, are huge now. So what are your your elements of
0: satisfaction at this point in your life, Dustin?
1: Well, okay. So so one thing that makes me happy with myself today is i i quit hurting people i stopped hurting people you know all through my addiction i hurt people i learned how not to hurt people anymore and if i do hurt somebody i i directly i go straight out and i i'm making amends for it i yeah. don't i don't carry that guilt no more that's the first
0: the first thing on your mind when i ask that well, yeah I, d- awesome. I, d- I don't hurt people anymore that
1: says something um, that's part of your
0: own pride issue because I don't have to feel bad, guilty or anything
1: <laughs> right. else with it. And that's awesome. Um, and, and you know, through, through working with these other guys, you know, I, we'll go through a fourth step with them and I'll, I'll learn. Tell what the I, folks what fourth step um, is a four step for inven- anybody who know. Inventory is where you go back through your life and you, you, you make a list of, um, of resentments you've had at people. Um, of people who have hurt you um you make a list of your fears you make a list of people you've harmed and then you sit down with another person and God and you you talk about this list and what what you'll find out in this list is most most of these resentments um if you just if if you would have took some time and tried to understand the people that did them to you 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 would have seen that they they weren't trying to hurt you they were they
0: may have had their they own they, hurts and they got their own hurts and that's the way you know, it hurt, hurt people
1: hurt people exactly loved people loved people um you know okay so i was working at second helpings um and my mom had posted this it was my birthday and she posted like four or five pictures like from ba- when I was a baby from when I was in high school and then you know on through I mean she left Redress. out she left out the addiction picture but okay <laughs> um and and I remember it like it was yesterday for the first time in my life I seen a picture of myself and I I I actually started crying I'm not ugly all these years I've thought I was ugly and, and I seen that picture, and I, I broke down in tears. And it was, how does that happen? How does a person go through their whole life seeing their self so much worse than the rest of the world sees them? I don't know. And the resentments
0: toward yourself right. play into that, don't they? You, you made mention of second helpings, right? Yeah. Tell the folks what that is, and tell them about your incident with the tray. <laughs> and the napkin and I don't. Okay, really so what- so
1: Second Helpings is an organization down in Indianapolis, and they they feed so many homeless people, and um, they they take they take food all over Indianapolis, Greenwood. Um, I've, I think there's like six or seven counties they serve, um, and straight out of Harbor Lights when I got into transitional housing, um, a week after I got in there, I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. Um, somebody pro- procured me a- another month's worth of uh, uh, money to stay in treatment. And uh, so I, so a week after I moved over there, I, I went to work at Second Helpings, and it was one of the biggest blessings of my recovery was working there, um, working beside people who were donating their time. Get, I was getting paid, and they were donating their time um, to to feed people. Um, and there, there was this one incident where this lady came up from the front Or she came up from the back and she looked like she was disturbed, right? And I said, ma'am, what's wrong? And one of the other guys working there was like, Oh, she, lo- she think she lost her wedding rings in the trash. She, he's like, I went back there in the dumpster and looked Or I looked in the dumpster, but it's full of trash, I'm not getting in there. And I looked at this lady and I'm like, well, we'll go back there and look, ma'am. So I go back there and I climb in the trash can. And I start looking, and I look for about, we was out there about an hour pulling trash bags out and ripping them open, and um, she's like, honey, we're not going to find them. I'm I'm just going to go. And I was like, well, I'm sorry. You know, we tried. And she got in her car and left, and I climbed out of the dumpster, and I was, I went inside, and I looked around the kitchen, and um, no no rings anywhere, and um, I thought, where could they be? You know, for some reason, I just had this feeling I I was supposed to find these rings. You can't stop. As soon as she said it, I I knew I was supposed to find these rings. So I I thought maybe maybe the temp workers threw a a trash bag in the recycling dumpster. So I go out there and I I open the lid to the dumpster and and all I see were uh, big big cans in there. So I shut the lid and I. I walked back and I buzzed myself in. And as I'm opening the door, I hear this voice says, you said you were going to look. It was, it, it just hit me like a, a rock. And I was like, I had my hand on the door. I held it held open. You said you were going to look. So I, I shut the door and I walked back to the dumpster and I opened it and I climbed in the recycling dumpster. And long story short, I started ripping bags open in there and I was covered in spaghetti sauce and food garbage. Not and, a pretty pink Yeah. And, and, in the bottom of that cycling dumpster, I pulled out a bag, and it had the biggest, heaviest wedding band set I'd ever seen in my life, and I jumped out, and I jumped up and down, and they came and got the ring from me, and put put it in the office, and the lady lady who I found the rings told me to um, be waiting, because I was going to have a big surprise that week, well, I went to and come to find out, she was like one of the leading donators to Second Helpings, and she was a board member, and so she was pretty big, a big deal. Um, so she came in, and long story short, she, she ended up giving me some money. Well, I'd been struggling because I was spending so much money in Ubers to get to work that I couldn't save money to get my own car, um, and she ended up helping me out with that for finding the rings, and as I walked away from her, I said, I said, Elaine, I said, hold on a second. I want to talk to you about something. And she walked back. She's like, "What is it?" And I said, "Just so you know, um, a year ago, you would not have got your rings back." She's like, "What do you mean?" And I got to, I got to give her my story and explain to her that I was a heroin addict who had made made their way down here to, to treatment and uh, that this was one of the most spiritual jobs I could get at the at the time and and that that I was doing good and. You know that 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 led to me getting a car, which led to me you know the next week my kid calls and says, "Hey, Dad, I got a rugby game. Can you come see?" and I was like, "Yeah, hop in the car and go right so God blessed me um and I saw that as a blessing, but what I didn't understand was was that blessing led to another blessing, led to another blessing, led to another blessing, you know um we 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 look at the first thing we get and and we see. This shiny object, we're like, oh, that's that's nice, um, but if we just put that in our pocket and keep it for ourselves, we miss the bigger the bigger present that was coming, you know.
0: Serves no purpose. You
1: know, I if I'd stick that, if I'd stu- if I'd stuck that five hundred dollars in my pocket and and not went and picked guys up at the center and took them to meetings or or went and seen my kids with it or or then I'm. It was for nothing, right? But, but now the blessings just keep multiplying. Multiplying. Well, as, long as, as long as I continue to try most days to do his will, my life gets better. Amen. And, and it might not on the outside. People might not see it, but it doesn't hear.
0: You know. It you doesn't here And that's the important thing. Dustin, let's kind of wrap this up with a question. The name of our podcast is Faith in Your Recovery what do those words mean to you? Where you are in life now, what do the words
1: faith in your recovery mean? Faith in my recovery would, I I guess that would mean that, that I, for one, I have, I have faith in, in God is my higher power, right? I have faith that, that I'm, I'm right where I'm supposed to be doing this podcast. I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. and, even if I don't like what what's going on in my life, I'm supposed to be there because there's a lesson somewhere that I'm, that I'm missing. Um, You know, I often look at at my hands and and I've got faith written on tattooed on my hand. I've got believe tattooed on my hand. And I, and I did all these when I was high, you know, Um, but they, they hold so much purpose now in my life that I can't, I really don't feel like they were an accident.
0: If you if you could believe then you could surely believe you know now i mean I, I don't
1: time it, i was i was i was putting exactly what i was supposed to on me at that point in my life and now here i am yeah yeah
0: well listen is there anything else you want to close with
1: um last word It would just just be that this is real you know life life can be good it can be exceptionally well without drugs and alcohol. You just, you have to get in somewhere and you have to put some work into it because nothing changes if nothing changes.
0: Exactly.
1: It works if you work it. sucks if you don't, you, you know? Go. I mean, life, if you're looking for for a difference, you've got to do different things.
0: Well, listen, we want to invite you folks to contact us at info at ablbh.org and maybe we can help you take that next step or a podcast at podcast at ablbh.org. Dustin, thanks. Been good to reconnect with you. Proud of you. I'm glad, I, you I'm glad I could be here, and Andy. Look forward to hearing more from you in the future and seeing you again. God bless. And folks, hang in there. Hold on. Take that next right step and understand recovery happens. Amen. God bless.